Hey, so this week, I relearned a thing that I wanted to share with all of you, and I wanted to make sure we all knew about. My phone was wedged. It was just locked up. I woke up one morning, and I knew it had charged because it was plugged in all night, but nothing. Black screen, nothing. And then I remembered the secret incantation, and I was able to get it out. And that is... You press the volume up button, you press the volume down button, and then you hold the other button on the other side, whatever we're supposed to call that button. And I had to hold it for like, it felt like far more than 10 seconds. And I had kind of given up, but figured, well, I'll just invest a little more time before I give up entirely. And then boom, the Apple logo appeared. More tips like this, plus your questions answered. Wait, wait, I want to make sure you knew that. Volume up, volume down, hold the side button for a while. That's the thing. So more tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Gab 949 for Monday, October 3rd, To Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips like that one, uh, your cool stuff found, like we'll talk about later, your questions, which we will answer. And sometimes we throw in our own tips, cool stuff found, and even questions of our own, because the goal is for each of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get t- together. Sponsors for this episode include helixsleep.com slash MGG, where you can save up to 200 bucks off your mattress, plus get two free pillows. ZocDoc.com slash MGG, where you can sign up for free and instantly book an appointment with top rated doctors out there. And you can see the ratings. It's cool. And then Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E.com slash MGG. It's device security for your users that uses Slack to inform them instead of of just forcing them to do things. It's amazing. We'll talk more about each of them later here in the episode. For now, here in crisp, clear fall, Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John of Broad. Yeah, man. So yeah, it was, it was fascinating that my phone just, uh, it was just dead. And I, I, I thought, well, new iPhone 14 pro, maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to live <laughs> but uh yeah i i don't know what caused that i've only had that happen to one other phone one other time in the past and it was on when i was like visiting nasa's kennedy space center on that press day that i did a number of years ago and was super bummed because it happened at the beginning of the day but thankfully i was able to look up online and and learn that that little trick but yeah it's up down and then hold so i love it it's a good one yeah more on that, or should we, uh, should we, should we st- share Petter's quick tip and just keep on trucking? Uh, here? Keep on trucking. All right, we will truck. Petter shares with us. He says, um, "Did you know that Preview is a great tool for both merging and splitting PDFs? There's no need to purchase any third-party apps or uploading files to unknown websites that promise to do this for you. The magic is all in the sidebar and thumbnails." Whenever you have opened a PDF or any other file in preview for that matter, go to view thumbnails to add more pages to your PDF. Just drag them from the finder and uh, wherever you want and 
boom, in the thumbnail view, they will appear there. And uh, to split, simply drag one or multiple pages out of the sidebar view and back into the finder. And you can actually do this between two open PDFs, too, in preview. I've, I've dragged pages from one into the other so you can really get granular with it. It's a great tool for doing exactly that kind of stuff. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that, Petter. It's good. I like I like when these things just, you know, when the computers help us do the things. I don't know. That's what they're supposed to do, right? They're no, supposed they're to supposed save to. us time? <clears throat> no. No? That's not the that's not the gig, huh? <laughs> I remember a cartoon once, I don't know who did it, but um it was somebody explaining computers to someone and he's like um, their purpose is to take small human error and turn it into large tragic mistakes. This is this is I I agree with this. I, well, computers can screw things up so much more quickly than a person can. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, that's kind of what we do here. We uh, we help everybody. Uh, maybe and and I when I say everybody, I, I I like we mean us too. We I think we're the luckiest ones here, John. We get to learn the most because we you know we're we're in it. But uh, but we do try to make sure everybody else learns along with us. So. Speaking of, Henry has, what, not one, not two, but three quick tips for our lock screen? Is that right? Indeed. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Henry. Um, so here are some quick tips for the lock screen. The quickest and easiest way to access the camera from the lock screen is to swipe left. Works on phones with Face ID or Touch ID, and you can grab any part of the screen um, except on a notification and swipe. No need to curl up your right thumb and hit the small camera icon in the bottom right corner of face id phones and hold it there until you get the haptic feedback okay that's good yeah, yeah i think i i stumbled across this accidentally once i swiped and it's like oh now now look where i am <laughs> I, I forget about i until his email came in i don't think i'd done that in years but it is a much faster way of getting the camera up the next one i think is like the pièce de résistance yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah, to me that that was like magic when I tried this. Yeah. Um the second tip, the quickest and easiest way to turn off the flashlight if you're on the lock screen is to swipe left a little bit to start revealing the camera. The flashlight will then turn off and you can release your finger or move it back to the right to restore your lock screen. Nice. And then the third tip. No, that like I don't want to gloss over that. Like that's the one that blew me away. Because it's it's a pain in the neck to like, I, I don't know why, but turning off the flashlight is always like just wonky and just that quick little flick. It does it. I love it. Yep. And then the third tip is not so quick to describe. I finally got my first face ID phone, a 13 mini had to get it before they stopped making the mini. I love the small phones. Yes, I do, too. Um, there are dozens of us. <laughs> uh, I think there are more than dozens. I don't know. I'm, I am missing my, well, I'm not missing it. It's literally right in front of me. I am using a new camera this week and I moved up from the iPhone 10 R with reincubate camo to, uh, my iPhone 13 mini with reincubate camo. And it's a better lens. I mean, it doesn't, I think it's even, even better. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. So um, there are dozens of us. Yep. So to continue, um, for phones with Face ID, the quick tip is that you don't need to enable Control Center in the Allow Access When Locked list um, within the Face ID and Passcode section of the settings. If you need to use Control Center from the lock screen, most of the time the phone will already be unlocked by Face ID, 
within seconds of waking, making Control Center available. When I used Touch ID phones, I always disabled Control Center from the lock screen because I didn't want someone to be able to grab my locked phone and put it in airplane mode, thus thwarting Find My iPhone. Uh-huh. Oh. Sneaky. Wait, what? I never thought about that security vector. You know, I mean, I always say we, we choose our, 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 our place in the continuum, right, uh, between ultimate security and ultimate convenience. But that one, like, that, that even gets my attention. I, I, ch- I tend to choose my place far closer to convenience than security. Um, but even, like, th- that, that, there's a good reason. So you, you just go into settings and uh, control center and, and turn off the uh, – where, where do you do this? R- remind me again, John. Share that um, one more time. Allow access when locked. Yeah, where is that, though? Oh, uh, face ID and passcode oh. allow access when locked. So he, yeah. Okay, and that's where that's where you can do those granular things. Yes, mm-hmm. there it is. Control center. No, thank you. I have everything else on. Do I want that home control? I don't know that I need home control. Although, is that going to mean I can't do it with Siri? I'm gonna turn it off and see what happens. Yeah, interesting. Huh. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good place to look. All right, so settings, face ID, and passcode, and then uh, allow access when locked. And now I get to talk about our sponsor, Collide. Collide is an endpoint security solution that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT. Do you know what it is? It's end users. Yeah, Old school device management tools like MDMs force disruptive agents onto employees' devices that slow performance and treat privacy as an afterthought. Collide does things differently. Instead of forcing changes on your users, Collide notifies your team via Slack when their devices are insecure and then gives them step-by-step instructions on how to solve the problem. That way they're involved. And by reaching out to your employees via this friendly Slack message and educating them about company policies, Collide can help you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security because everyone understands how and why to do it. For IT admins, Collide provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet. Doesn't matter whether they're running on Mac, Windows, Linux, it's all good. That visibility makes it easy to prove compliance to your auditors, your customers, and your leadership. You can meet your compliance goals by putting users first. Visit collide.com slash MGG to find out how. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, we have a follow-up from Kansas Dave. While I was busy doing the ad read here uh, for Collide, Kansas Dave was sharing two Siri commands. I like to call them incantations because, as Kansas Dave points out, they are for turning the flashlight on and off. Siri Lumos turns the flashlight on. Siri Knox turns the flashlight off. And I'm 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 intentionally not saying the hey word just in case my voice is close enough to yours that I would actually get your phone or mine behind me here. So uh, these are obviously from Harry Potter. I, I assume correct. That's that's where they come from. But uh, Kansas Dave in our chat at, at MacGeekab.com slash discord was uh, was the the person who pointed this out. Right. That's Harry Potter. Right, John? Uh, could be. 
Okay. Are you know, I thought you were I thought you were a Harry Potter person, but I'm pretty sure those are those are Harry Potter commands. Thank you, Kansas Dave. Amazing. Hey, uh, I found by accident, evidently, a new Siri command that is in iOS 16. I was in my car, and sometimes I uh, CarPlay like won't sync with my car. If I try to sync it, if I try to plug it in too soon after I like turn my car on or something, like there's something where my phone decides, yeah, nah, girl, there's no, uh, there's no CarPlay happening now, and. It used to be that I, all I had to do was reset the head unit in my car, which I can do just by holding down the volume button in in the car, like not the car's volume button in a Subaru. That's how you reset the head unit. Just hold it down until you see the Subaru logo. Uh, however, that doesn't work uh, to solve it. And so I needed to restart my phone. And so I told Siri, uh, restart my phone. I might have said reboot my phone. I think either will work. And it asked me, are you sure you want to do that? And I was shocked. I didn't think it would work. I was just driving and didn't want to like mess with my phone to restart it. And sure enough, my phone restarted this, John, not only was that amazing that that's in there. I believe this is the only way to restart your phone from your phone. Correct me if I'm wrong. You can go into settings general and shut down your phone. Yes. But I don't think there's a way to tell it to restart other than this. So, um, so I, yeah. I shut down. That's the only, right. That's the only one that's there. General. Yeah. In settings general. Yeah. So like, it's weird to me that there's no restart button on the phone or restart command in the phone. And it's even weirder that now the first place we get it is, uh, is with Siri. So I, but I was happy. And then I looked online. I'm like, how long has this been here? It's like, Oh, <laughs> a couple of weeks. I don't, I've never tried it in the past, but, uh, but yeah, so fun stuff. I like it. Siri's handy. Do you use Siri a bunch, John? Are you, are you a, a regular Siri um, person? Not really. Okay. I, I think, I don't think I was until I had a vehicle with car play and then, you know, I use it constantly in the car. And I think because of that, it just became sort of part of my, um, you know, just the, the things that I do. So, uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You got something for us from Tim here? Another quick tipish kind of thing? I think so. All right. Sweet. Uh, so Tim writes in um, and says, I forgot about this for most of the year. Then I get a new iPhone and I sit there staring at my screen, wondering how long um, until, let's say, uh, my podcast player will take uh to how he wants to prioritize his downloading of uh, oh. apps and if you've gotten a phone as of late you'll know that part of the process uh once you restore the uh the OS is going to restore all the apps and then you get all these you know things saying waiting on your main screen well there's a way to kick somebody to the front of the line um Long press on the icon of the app you're impatient to use, and then you'll see a choice, prioritize download. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I forget about this until I am in exactly that scenario, which for me happens once a year and usually. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's a way to do this. And thankfully, the long press is the is the way. Yeah, great tip. I like that, Tim. That's a good one. Yeah, and I found an article. I think it's been around since iOS 10. Um, okay. 
Okay. Well, at least I found an article from this publication that you and I sometimes read. <laughs> which which publication? I'm, I'm looking in the links in the show notes. Oh, it's from TMO. Oh, okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I wanted to take a minute and make sure everybody knew that the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast is back. Ken Ray. Yep. Uh, who is, you might know from Mac OS Ken and everything else that he does. Uh, the, the folks at TMO have brought Ken Ray on board. I think he's writing uh, some articles for him too, but he is hosting daily observations every day, every weekday. Uh, I am generally on the show now on, on Wednesdays. I won't be this coming week just cause I have some scheduling things that got in the way, but, uh, but it's been a blast. So yeah. Uh, if you, if you were a listener to that and you were subscribed, you'll you'll you've probably already seen it in your podcast player of choice uh, as long as it's downloaded. Hopefully, Tim helped us make sure that happens. And uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, TDO is back. Just want to make sure everybody knew that. So uh, let's see. Do we have we have a we have another Siri tip, John, and it's from Scott. If you look in Evernote, I think you prepped it. I don't know where. It wound up on the floor somewhere, but uh, it, it, it's not in the agenda that I see. But I think since we're sh- sharing Siri tips, you should share Scott's um, Siri quick tip. You got that? there? Uh, yes. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, this may be new to iOS 16 or I may simply have overlooked it before. Uh, now that the percentage is available for display in the battery icon, I tried it and, in fact, didn't like it. It is simply too small for me to see without my glasses, so I turned it off. Then on a whim, I asked Siri a one-word question. Battery? Siri responded with the answer, battery at 66%, and put a banner on the screen. That's very handy and easier for me than squinting to see the tiny font that puts the percentage inside the battery icon which I believe is coming in 6.1, which I don't have yet. Oh, for, for iPhone mini users. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a yeah. better display of it too. I, I think we all will want to try it again if we've tried it and, and ditched it because it looks like they've fixed some of the, the user interface stuff in the 16.1 beta screenshots that I've seen. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, good. We're jumping all over the place today, John. We're crazy. Um, Bill has a follow-up quick tip to episode 948, uh, where we were talking about international, like being able to call internationally. And, uh, he says, I have another suggestion that I believe will work in certain circumstances to make international calls or calls when you are traveling internationally. And that is FaceTime audio. This uses the data connection. So it doesn't require a phone number. Of course, the limitation is that it can only be used between people in the Apple ecosystem. It's not a perfect solution by any means, but it is one that will probably connect you to many of the people with whom you already interact. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, good stuff. It's always good to remember FaceTime audio. I've started using FaceTime audio for phone calls, uh, even like as long as I'm on Wi-Fi, as long as I'm on good Wi-Fi. Uh, and I, I probably have a story to share about that, but um as long as you know you're on good Wi-Fi, FaceTime audio is going to sound so much better than anything I've gotten over the you know just cell circuit. But if you have limited data and you're out and about and you're on like cell data, you might not want to use FaceTime audio because you're burning your data. Audio burns a pretty small amount of data. It might be a de minimis amount, but uh, you know, 
check that out before you, before you, or just be aware of that as you're doing it. All right. Um, I'll share my bandwidth story for later because we've got quick tips. John, you want to take us to Derek? Sure. I like this one from Derek. Uh, listening to Mac Geek Ab 944 and Workstation Security reminded me of procedure at my old company. When if anyone left their machine logged in and unattended, um, someone would send an email to the entire company um, saying they were buying pastries and donuts for everybody this afternoon. <laughs> That's Needless awesome. to say, after being caught once or for some thrice, people become more security conscious. Uh, luckily, as a longtime uh, Mac Geekab listener, I didn't get caught. That's good. I like it. That's a great, what a great way to um, to do that. That's cool. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Yeah. Um, or you could make a policy or do like a, you know, some sort of remote configuration setting up everybody's computer to lock the screen after five minutes, which is typically what I do. Yeah. Or no, I think I lock uh, uh, my computer. I lock it immediately. So once it, yeah, once it goes to sleep, you have to log in again. Yeah. I, I mean, in it's certainly in a work environment that makes and in any environment where there are many people that can get to your devices. That makes sense. Uh, like the machine, here it's the studio is a little different because i have people in here rehearsing but the machine in my office i don't have it lock uh right away i i figure i mean if somebody gets into my office i i, I have worse mm-hmm. things to worry about than them you know sitting at my computer trying to figure out how to figure that out so yeah all right um you want to uh you want to take us to listener john the first listener, John, of the day, I believe. Sure. Yeah, okay. um, so John says, I was asked to set something uh, up on my work, work Mac that I thought I would share. There are hidden settings that change how Wi-Fi connects. I was asked to run this, and we'll paste it in. Um, I'm not going to read the whole darn thing here. Uh, the default, uh, but, but it's a Wi-Fi configuration uh, or, or airport configuration utility buried deep within the system um and the default setting uh so they have one parameter called join mode uh and normally it's set to something called automatic Uh, i wonder if it would help some people to force the wi-fi uh you can also say join mode so what he's suggesting is join mode equals strongest so if you're having problems with your wi-fi um Maybe running this will help. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a big, long, convoluted command that's like just buried in like private frameworks or something on on the Mac. But I, yeah, I remember being at like a Mac Tech event and hearing and and talking with a, a Wi-Fi person. You know about I don't know there was something we were talking on the show about, and this was like ten years ago about you know how you could tweak the Broadcom chips in certain devices, and he's like, you know, you can do it in Apple devices too. There's just no GUI for it. You've got to know what to do. And I think this is what he was referring to, where you can really kind of dig in and and control exactly how your Mac is going to choose to interact with a Wi-Fi network. Yeah, because, oh, wait, like, so does this mean that instead of joining the Wi-Fi network that's at the top of your Wi-Fi list, in the in the thing, it's going to join whatever it finds to be the strongest network, because that's been a problem in the past. Right. Where, mm-hmm. you you know, if you've got 
if it can see three networks and one is super weak, but it's at the top of your list, that's what it's going to join. We've always mm-hmm. kind of lamented that. So, oh, now I, huh? Okay. This might be a really good thing to set. I'm curious yeah. to hear. Yeah. What I'm wondering though, is how you, how would you find this information? Uh, unless an IT person told you to do it. I would have never found it. At first, I was like, all right, well, the name of the command is airport. So let me do a man on airport. And apparently, whoever wrote this realized that something should be done because the description of the command is airport manages 802.11 interfaces. And then the next sentence, which cracked me up, airport, more information needed here. (laughs) I think it was a placeholder saying, hey, somebody take care of this. And nobody ever did. So more information needed here. I almost want to make that the title of the episode, (laughs) but uh, I don't know. I don't know what that'll communicate. So that's but that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Moving on. That's a good one, though. Like that. This is it. Yeah, I, I need to play with this. Because this this sounds sounds fascinating. If somebody out there knows what this uh, like, where to find more of these commands, you know, or more of these parameters for the airport command, please let us know. Feedback at MacGeekab.com. You heard it right. That's feedback at MacGeekab.com. All right. Uh, I think you said feedback at MacGeekab.com. Pete's not here to clarify for us, so. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just make sure you email us. All right. Listener John with a quick tip uh, from iOS 16. This is cool. He says, uh, as you may recall from many discussions about how to save or print a PDF to the files app in iOS or iPad OS, this has always been a largely hidden feature due to the lack of a share icon uh, in the mail app. However, in version 16 of iOS and iPad OS, there is now a share icon in the print dialog. It's still somewhat hidden in that the share icon would be better suited to be on the icon bar, uh, which is a nice addition in iPad OS, he says. But if you know the incantation in Mac OS, you won't have to know the secret spread your fingers over the preview icon trick to uncover the share icon anymore. And he shared, no pun intended, some screenshots. When you get to the print dialog in iOS on your iPhone in iOS 16, at the top, uh, it says print options. It says cancel on one side and print on the other, which it always has. Right in from print, there's now a share icon there. So you don't you can tap that and do all of the other things that uh, that you want to do, including saving it as a PDF to uh, to files, which is awesome. So. Thank you for finding that, listener John. Great stuff. Hey, I love sushi. You like sushi, right? Sushi's incredible. But you got to find the right sushi. That's what makes all the difference. The same goes for finding the right doctor. And with our sponsor, ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighborhood. One that makes you feel like you're in good hands, you're supported, and you're heard, even if you're telling them 
about your favorite sushi place. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. And on ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. So whether you need to fix your achy back or straighten your teeth or get a mole checked out or anything else, ZocDoc's got you covered. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I've used it. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. They make it super Easy, because you can find a doctor that's right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. To do it, go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MGG, ZocDoc.com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. All right. Yet again, John, while I was doing the ad uh, read here for ZocDoc, Brian Monroe found what we were looking for. I believe he found uh, an article at uh, OS 10 Daily, OS X Daily, I should say, that is uh, Airport, the little known command line wireless utility for the Mac. And it seems like it has at least some of these commands in the in the article. So, yeah, it's telling us to use that same private frameworks thing. And uh, and then you can do airport dash S. Oh, and get all the SSIDs from things. You can do dash I to get information. And uh, and then it looks like. Yeah, here you go. So the on the join mode, you get automatic preferred ranked recent strongest. And then you've got join mode fallback. So, yes, tons of these commands are there. Amazing. Thank you, Brian Monroe. I love this. Love it. I love the real-time feedback, too. This is, uh, this is great. This is great. I knew it was out there. It had to be out there. All right. Um, we've got some uh, questions that we should get to, right, John? Uh, yeah. Let's, let, Carrie has a question. Great. Uh, I just upgraded from an iPhone 12 Pro to a 14 Pro, which arrived on the 14th. I decided to do a fresh install on my new phone. I did a backup of my 12 with iMazing, so I could still refer to apps previously used if needed at some point. I also did the Apple trade-in program, so I had access to my 12 Pro for a few days. After setting the new 14 up as a fresh phone and connecting to my iCloud account, I noticed after a couple of days some odd behavior with messages. Uh, friends began telling me they were seeing different iMessage threads. Some originated from my phone number and some originated from my email, I think is what he meant to say there. Um, with some testing, it seems like messages coming from my Mac or iPad are reported as originating from my email. Messages coming from my phone originate from my phone. This was definitely not the case with my 12, was still my primary phone. All messages, regardless of the device, was originating from the phone. Um, any ideas on how to return, uh, to some form of unified messaging? Um, yes. And this actually caused me to look at my setup and I was in a similar state because I've also been doing some restores and, and playing with these Sims and all that stuff, which I think was caused my problem. But anyways, um, so, yeah, it seems switching lines may reset your settings, and here's where you want to look. So, under iOS, Settings, Messages, Send and Receive, iMessage. 
um, there will be, you can receive messages to and reply from uh, is one of the entries, and it'll show your email addresses there. And then there's a start new conversations and make sure they're set to what you want. In my case, it actually wasn't one, one, well, let me give you the second one. So on Mac OS, you go to Messages, Preferences, iMessage, and you'll see a similar set of dialogues. Uh, can be reached for messages at is the first set, which typically should have email addresses. And then another one, start new conversations from. In my case, they were out of sync, Dave, in that one was set to one thing and one was set to another. Um, so double check that. It did kind of disappoints me that it couldn't figure this out for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's so much that is synced amongst our devices that you're right. Like, why isn't this? I never thought about that before, but why isn't this synced? That doesn't. Huh? I, yeah. I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't know why it should be. We're syncing everything else. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, th this reminds me of a cool stuff found that we had kind of teed up for later in the episode, but it, it uh, makes sense. It's this thing I found called unlisted mobile at unlistedmobile.com, And th this is a fascinating little service. I think it's like 10 bucks a month and you can get a, uh, like random phone number that you can text and call using your phone. You download an app and uh, then you just get private numbers that you can use for various things. So if you need to make, uh, you know, whatever you need to do, they, they, you know, these are called, I mean, there's, they're private in that the, the log doesn't appear on your phone bill. So, you know, do with that, what you please. Uh, they don't appear in your phone or messaging apps. You don't have to have a real phone number, right? So this might actually be unintentionally the international calling solution. In fact, holy cow, I hadn't thought about that until just now as I'm saying it. But wow, for 10 bucks a month, you've got a U.S. phone number. You can use any anywhere you have data. Uh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, this is uh, it's called uh, Unlisted Mobile and it's available for iPhone and it turns out also Android. Um, so, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And then they have a, another service that you can just use. It's at phoneinfo.io. It is a free caller ID lookup. And this, too, is completely private and anonymous. They don't track what you're doing. They don't track, you know, that you were here and doing all of this. Then you can find the caller ID name for any U.S. or Canadian phone number. Um, so, and they say that they're always pulling them from the, uh, the central carrier database. So the results are always fresh, which I like. Fun. I'd never heard of this unlisted mobile thing. I, I don't know. I, I saw somebody post on Twitter about it or I don't know. It's somehow it came up somewhere, but it was like it kind of blew my mind. But, but now that we're talking about it and we talked about the international calling thing earlier, it's like, oh, maybe this is the magic answer. Huh. I like it. Okay. Uh, what's next? You want to take us to George? Yeah, poor George. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm in a quandary with the elimination of the iPod Touch. 
uh, now officially extinct. My iPod Touch 6 has been all I need or want for daily needs when I'm not using my MacBook or iMac. Uh, listening to your podcast, taking photos, uh, getting online. I don't have or want a phone. I would get rid of my office phone if I could. <laughs> so rely on Wi-Fi uh, on my iPod. The problem is that my iPod is showing its age, most most notably with a wonky USB port. Um Increasingly, I have to wiggle the charging cord when connecting, uh, and it's not a cord problem, to get it to start charging. From what I've seen online, changing the USB port is quite the process and requires taking much of the iPod apart. If I went for this repair, it probably would make sense to replace the battery. I would estimate a couple of hundred bucks. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know what to do. An iPod mini is too big to carry around in my pocket, uh, and over 500 bucks in... Apple.ca, uh, so he's in Canada. Um, an iPhone level is even more expensive, but I don't need the phone functionality. Uh, unfortunately, Apple doesn't carry refurbished iPod touches, and I'm a little wary of seeking out something used. Uh, should I forget about repairs and seek out a used iPhone that is least comp- at least comparable in features? Um and yes, uh, so I was able to find something. So yeah, it's true if you go to the refurb store, I think the only thing they have are iPhone 11 and iPhone 12, and they're several hundred dollars, yeah. which is not what we want to do. Um, I mean, you could, uh, one vector that I would try here, vector, um, Victor? <laughs> vector, Victor, what's your vector, Victor? Um, uh, so I did a search for iPhone SE refurbished. Um, as you may or may not know, the iPhone SE is uh, on the low end for uh, price, uh, but it's a real iPhone. And so I, I searched for iPhone SE refurbished. And the best one I could find, so there, there's a place we've mentioned in the past, Dave, uh, Backmarket. Okay. Um, yep. Showed several iPhone SEs either 2020 or 2022 um, for less than 200 bucks. So I think that is going to be your most economical path here. Yeah, that makes sense. And and they even offer yeah, so they offer something. So they they don't offer as much coverage. But when I looked at their site, uh, um, yeah, when I looked at their site, yeah, under. Under two hundred. Yeah. Well, for the for the twenty twenty version, it's under. Oh no, no. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. On their site, they they offer a warranty. So, oh, yeah, I think they offer one year warranty on things you buy from them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So check the terms and conditions. I found a couple of other places that also offered their version of refurb. Like I think Walmart had some as well. Yeah. 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 So I wonder if Back Market does Canada. Um, let's hope they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. All right. So uh, a couple of interesting comments coming in through our uh, Discord live chat in the live stream chat at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord or live.MacGeekUp.com or many other places. But for now, uh, Kiwi Graham points out that lightning port randomness is often fixed by cleaning with a toothpick. This is a hundred percent true. I, mm-hmm. I always find, you know, I get my new phone in September cause we've got to have one to learn about for the show here. And so my phones, it's, it's rare. I lead a charmed life. I know uh, that I'm using an iPhone that's over a year old. However, every like July or August is when it hits me that I'm having problems with my lightning port. 
Uh, and that's when I, I get a toothpick. Non-metal is what I choose. I choose plastic. You can choose wood. You can choose metal. I just don't like raking in there with a piece of metal. And I get a little thing and, and pull out more lint than you could possibly imagine would ever actually get packed in there. But it does. And yeah, then the port works better. I usually notice it in my car when plugging in for CarPlay. And it's like, why isn't this? Oh, right. That's why, you know. And, uh, so I've, I've taken to keeping some like little toothpicks in my car because that's where I notice this. Now, I, I, don't, I don't try to clean my phone when I'm driving. I don't recommend it. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, so thank you, Kiwi Graham. That's, that's great. And then Brian Monroe had a really interesting take on this. He said, an Apple watch is what I would recommend, which is interesting. As he points out, you can do your music, your podcasts, other things on it. It's limited because the screen's smaller, but like it is kind of like what like, it is the iPod touch in a sense. It's so, you know, you can buy a Wi-Fi only Apple watch and um, it does a lot of things. It's not, but it's not the same as having the, you know, a, a, a phone size screen or an iPod touch size screen. The other thing that I would be wary of uh, or a, aware of is iOS 16 support. The only iPod touch that supports iOS 16 is the seventh gen iPod touch. So if you are going to buy one used, make sure that, you, you know, if you're going to invest in something that it, that at least you're aware of whether or not it can run the latest OS and you know, all of that stuff. So fascinating. I like this. Great. Great. Uh, I love all the feedback today. It's just great feedback at MacGeekup.com is where you, the listener, but not, not all the, not all the listeners, you, the, you, right. You, you, you're the primary listener. You know that, right? It's just between us. Nobody else heard this. Just you. You can send a feedback at MacGeekup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Feedback at MacGeekGob.com. That's right. All right. Uh, Luigi, talk about blowing our minds. Luigi has a uh, fantastic thing here that blew my mind when I heard it. And it's it's a nice little tip for helping keep your Mac battery rolling. He says, uh, if you, uh, he says I'm using an M1 Pro MacBook uh, on macOS Monterey. And I wrote a shortcut for myself. If you have a smart outlet, you can keep your MacBook always plugged in and not worry about the battery being on charge all the time. Using a shortcut and uh, the terminal, you can schedule a shortcut to run at every interval of your choice to verify the battery power level and automatically switch off your smart outlet when the MacBook Pro's battery is at 95% or higher and switch it on when the battery is at 15% or lower. What a brilliant use of shortcuts to manage the flow of electrons. I love it. Like what a, I, like this, this is what automation is about, man. I mean, it does other cool things too, but like, I love tying things like this together and really just making it so that you're good to go. Now, uh, this shortcut's going to run whether or not your Mac is plugged in. Although I guess maybe, maybe you can have a trigger where it tests whether it's plugged in. I would do this with Keyboard Maestro only because 
I, like, I love how flexible the automation features are in it. So maybe you could have it say, all right, only turn the outlet on if it's plugged, you know, if my Mac is plugged in, although it wouldn't know it was plugged in because if the outlet's off, right. So your outlet might just be switching on and off uh, at home as your Mac is, you know, doing its uh, doing its thing, no matter where you are. I guess that's not a terrible thing. I mean, it's if, if, if the only thing you have plugged into the outlet is your charger, then that it doesn't really matter. But um, it's not really going to pull power of any significance if your Mac's not drawing from it. Yeah, I like this. This is good. I don't know. Have you messed with shortcuts at all yet, John? No, I am shocked. I, I tr- and I, I mean that uh, uh, sincerely. Like this is th- like this seems to be right up your alley. I, I think once you dive into them, you will you will probably not stop. So highly recommended. All right, you want to uh, you want to take us to to Bruce. Yeah, here's a head scratcher. Um, Bruce says, Apple used to have ways to print just the selection of text from Safari or Apple Mail using uh, using the services menu or through a choice in the print dialog box. Those options appear to have been removed. Any idea on how to accomplish this? Um, yeah, when I looked, I, I, I can't... I seem to recall that at some point that was an option in the print dialogue. I don't know when they took it away, but they, they did, or at least my configuration. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it was recent. Like it was the, the past couple of years. It's certainly not there in Monterey. Obviously it might not have been there in big Sur, Um, but it, but it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a recent r- removal from things. Um, and I, I, I don't know why they would have removed it. That like that. There's another question. Like, was it was it getting in the way? Like, maybe it was. I, you know, how often have you hit reply on an email only to realize that it's pulled in just the like if you had copied something out of the email or whatever, you know, a, a whatever, who knows, a link or something, and you hit reply, and the only it says, you know, on. Now, Tuesday, John F. Braun typed link and, it, you know, it's just that part of the email that's getting uh, quoted. Maybe that was happening too often to people. Maybe Apple was getting too many support calls for this. I don't know. But anyway, yes, they removed it. I am. I'm with you on that, John. Here's a roundabout way to make that happen, though. Uh, so, you know, I broke out the Google Foo and one suggestion was. Uh, go to Safari, Services, and New Text Edit. And I'm like, oh, well, that, that sounds nice. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have that option available. But I found another one that worked. I verified that it worked. Uh, so what you do is, again, highlight the text that you want, and then go to the same place, Safari, Services, uh, or Safari, Share, and one of the options will be notes. And what it'll do is create a new note that you can then print from. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was in the, in the, in the right spot in that. Yes, it is part of services, but that's, that's. Yeah. I mean, it creates a note for you that you may not want. You may just what? want to print it and then get rid of it. Print it and so. delete it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's a, 
another way. Nothing's coming to mind. Feedback at MacGeekup.com, folks. If you, uh, if you have an idea for us, because we would love to hear it. You know, there's not much worse than having to go to a mattress store and lay down on a mattress that you know hundreds of people have tried out before you while an overeager sales associate asks you probing questions. Is there nothing worse? Well, that's why we love our sponsor, Helix Mattresses, because you get to order online and receive easy, no-contact delivery. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand which provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 different mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress just made for kids. So how do you know which one works best for you? Do what I did. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And then Helix knows there's no better way to test out your new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home, not like in your clothes in the daytime with your shoes on at a mattress store. Ew, it's better with Helix Sleep at home. And that's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. But because you're taking that quiz, it's probably going to be perfect for you, right? We took the quiz. It's the midnight mattress for us. It's amazing. We love it. And here's the thing. Helix is offering up to $200 off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for you, our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash MGG. Again, helixsleep.com slash MGG with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Hey, all right. So we've got some follow-ups to talk through from the last episode, 948. And the first comes from listener Sasha, who says, I was listening to 948 and heard Pilot Pete talking about the new subject isolating feature in iOS 16 photos. It is. It's magic. It's it's fun, too. Um, I'll also point out, I'll share something that Allison Sheridan pointed out in an email thread that we were having these are transparent PNGs. So if you put them on something, the background will, uh, you know, will show through, you know, around your the image. I watched my daughter. We went out to dinner the other night and she like built an Instagram story, just copy pasting these into Instagram. And she had also taken a picture of the, the table before any of the food was on it. So she was actually able to place like all the, the dishes from the different courses on the on the thing. It was cool. So transparent. Back to Sasha. Uh, there is another cool thing you can do with them. Turn them into stickers that can then be used in iMessage. He says, courtesy of Federico Vitici's Mac Stories, there is an iOS app called Sticker Drop, which automatically creates them using this new feature. It's a one-time purchase of only a few dollars. Uh, he says in New Zealand it was $4.95, so probably about the same in U.S. Maybe it's $2.99. I don't know. I don't have it right up in front of me. I'll look. Uh, and he says uh, it does a great job and really kind of pulls it all together. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, that's great stuff, Sasha. Have you been messing around with stickers, John? No. Okay. That's fun. I, I Again, a thing I like. It's amazing. It's kind of magic. It's kind of magic. Uh, we also had a conversation in 948 about emojis and we put out a geek challenge to, because with Siri now you can tell it to say the, uh, the emoji name, uh, and then it will, it will send the emoji to someone, but you have to know the name. And so there are a few ways. The first comes from listener Jeff, uh, who says you can do it on your Mac 
we had found that you could open up, you know, the command shift space thing emoji window and float over it and the tooltip would show it to you. But if you don't want to mess with the tooltips, listener Jeff reminds us that you can do the expanded uh, emoji character viewer just by hitting the little uh, expand the, the thing button, which is next to search in the top. So you hit command shift space and then there's like a little nondescript icon in the upper right corner. If you click that, it will expand into a four column view. And guess what's in column four? A bigger picture of the emoji and the name of it. So that's your first one there. And then, so thank you for that, Jeff. I I, I love learning new things. And I, I like, I, I, had, I had even forgotten about the expanded window. So that like, it's just, I, I, I love learning from the show. It's great. The second comes from listener, Chris, who says, uh, check out emojipedia.org. And sure enough, Emojipedia lists, and they even have a, a special page just for Apple emojis. And it lists all of them and you can click on one and then it brings it up and shows you like, you know, grinning, squinting face. So, OK, great. Perfect. Good. And then uh, lastly, we've got another one from a different listener, Jeff, who shares with us another website called Unicode dot uh, org, which is where all of these emojis are published because they are part of the Unicode standard. I like this list the best. Because it shows me everything in a multi-column view, all of the emojis and what they look like on the different platforms. So it's got Apple, Google, Facebook Messenger, you know, Twitter, all those things. Uh, and then the uh, short name for them, which is really what we're looking for here. So, you know, squinting face with tongue or uh, what's, what's another fun one here? It's, some of these names are, are just like, you know anger symbol that doesn't look like an anger i never i never knew that that was the anger symbol okay so there you go there's things to learn the things we learn every day how are you finding these john are you are you uh have you experimented with siri and the emojis yet I just got mm. more crap to remember i don't know no i like the uh <clears throat> yeah the one jeff mentioned is the one that i use the yeah. most the, yeah. the character viewer the character viewer yeah 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 it is good it is good all right. Um, we've done a thing this week. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, but we now have it up and running. I've got uh, our own Bitcoin node and lightning node running here. Uh, actually, on the disk station, Lucas figured out how to make all that work running on there. Uh, we did put the data for the Bitcoin node on an SSD so that it's uh, because it's like, I don't know, half a terabyte or something like that and also gets banged on a lot. So we didn't want that to necessarily be on the like spindle disk, disk station volume. So I hung an SSD off of our uh, main disk station. And then with a couple of Docker containers, he's got this thing all up and running and it's it's great. Uh, and then we wired it up to the value for value tags in the podcasting 2.0 things. And guess what? You folks started sending us Satoshis. It's amazing. We got, we don't, we're still working on making sure we can have the visibility we're supposed to have uh, into who has sent us these Satoshis. Because of course the Lightning Network is super anonymous unless you attach a note along with it, which you can. We can view some of the notes with the way we have it set up. And we're working on ways of being able to see all the notes. I don't know why they're all like, uh, encoded in the bolt 12 or bolt 11 package that sends like the it's the, it's it's 
there's things that you don't want to have to know uh, about how all this works. It's been a couple of a couple of weeks of headaches and, and but fun headaches. But anyway, I wanted to thank uh, Jose for sending us 60 sats. Somebody yesterday was streaming the show. And so we were getting these like two sat things for like an hour just coming into our, our lightning node. Someone anonymous sent us another 50 sats. And, and you can do all this if you go to uh, podcastindex.org. I believe I'm sending you to the right spot. Yes. Uh, you can learn what apps are out there to use uh, that will support all this. The, the, the definitely the most popular one is an app called fountain at fountain.fm. So that is the, uh, that that's, that's the way I've been messing with it. There's another one in beta called Podverse um, that is, uh, that, that, that looks good too. And I became part of that beta. I don't know if like there's a, I don't think there's a public version available yet, but uh, but you can go to the podcast index and, and find podcast apps where you can listen and, and do all this stuff. And actually fountain is, I, I like fountain because you actually earn your own Satoshis just for listening. And then you can either cash those out and, you know, do whatever you want with them because they're yours, or you can then take those Satoshis that are sitting in your wallet right there at fountain and redirect them to your favorite podcast that you're listening to. So it's amazing. What really blew me away, John is, um, how many people are using these apps? It's it, like, I'm seeing things now that we're kind of wired into this system. I'm seeing things come in for the other podcasts I do too, for gig gab and business brain. So it's pretty cool. But thank you to those of you who, who donated sats this week. You are members of the premium, the Mackie cab premium program like that. This is, you know, it, it doesn't matter to us how you choose to support the show. If, if you support the show in a way that in your mind makes you a member of the Mac, Mac Ecab premium program, then you are a member. Like that's it. You can send to our premium at Mac email address. And this is, you know, I, I to call it the honor system is, is probably wrong. I, I think it's value for value. So it's, it is the, is the right term to use and it's great. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been very cool. And in theory, by the time this episode is out, we will also be live with our channel and stuff in Apple podcasts, but I'm not holding my breath on that. And I'll share more next week when we know more while we're here on the subject though, have you messed with fountain at all, John? That's, that'd be a fun app for you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a, it's a good way. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's just fountain.fm and, and, but there's an iPhone app and you know, I mean, it's all the, all the good stuff. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool how it all, how it all comes together. So uh, right. And then, uh, oh yes. Uh, speaking of the premium program, I want to take a minute and share the, uh, the folks who have sent in recent subscriptions or recent contributions, I'll say. So we are, uh, we had a, uh, one-time $5 contribution from Oliver, $25 contribution from Thomas in Garden Grove, Oliver from Ripe, sorry, uh, $10 from Nick in Mount Clemens, 25 from Michael in Omaha, 10 from Stephen in Plainfield, Harvey sent in 20 from Washington, D.C., uh, $10 from John in Vienna, 25 from Robbie in Hendersonville, 25 from Sharon in Wesley Chapel, 25 from Randy in Westport, 25 from Curate in Bloomfield Hills, 25 from Ed in Torrance, 25 from Mike in Raleigh. Uh, another 25 from Doug in Richmond, 25 from Anthony in Bournemouth. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, 
25 from Stephen and uh, Linlithgow. All right. Well, I'll get there. The next time I'll say Linlithgow, but even better. Uh, 25 from Wayman and Waipahu. Waipahu. I think so. W-A-I-P-A-H-U. 25 from Mark in New Palestine. 10 from Ken in North Las Vegas. 25 from Roger. I don't know where Roger is. That's okay. 50. Thank you from James in Columbus. Another 50 from John in Studio City. 25 from Craig and Pace. And, uh, oh yeah, 11 from Dave in Durham. I have to test the system. So I have a subscription that I, I may, I don't know why I made it for $11, but, uh, but I did. And it, it came in uh, evidently this morning, right before we started recording. So there you go. Fun stuff. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that. Everybody. Do you have any, anything to, uh, to share about the premium stuff while we're here, John? Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Indeed. Another show I want to tell you about, the Compile Swift podcast. This is a show dedicated to discussing development for Apple platforms. You get to keep up to date with app development news, tips, and advice for developers of all skill levels, including those of you just getting started. And look, technology moves fast. Keeping up with the latest changes and features to make your apps stand out in a crowded app store is a constant challenge. Get information that you can use and motivation to keep you moving forward. And that's not all. Soft skills are just as important. We talk about that here. Get advice on working with team members, clients, and users. And let's not forget about dealing with both good and bad app reviews. Those interactions can make the difference between your success and failure. The Compile Swift podcast covers all of this and more. If you're looking to start or continue your Apple development journey, visit CompileSwift.com or search for Compile Swift in your podcast player of choice. All right. It is time for some cool stuff found, John. And the first one is actually a uh, cool stuff made from longtime listener Sylvain. Sylvain, I, I looked, has been uh, contributing to Mac Ecab with questions and tips for years. And now... Sylvain says, I studied computer programming in the late 80s. At this time, I've launched a few shareware type programs developed in Turbo Pascal. To make a long story short, after a long 20 year break from programming, I went back to it in 2018. The reason I went back was mainly due to two and a half years of burnout and anxiety disorder. I understand that. Sure. Programming has become a great help to calm my monkey down, and it still does. So I bought a MacBook Pro, installed Xcode and started learning Swift. Things have considerably changed in 25 years, but the logic behind coding is still the same. Now at 51, Sylvain continues, I still am learning to code and I have launched a few apps in the past few years. Coding is very rewarding and seeing people downloading and using my app is even more rewarding. My latest app is named Search It. It's an app used to search through blogs and other websites. He says, I, I, I created it because I find it useful when I want to pinpoint my searches to specific websites or want precise results search. It can be used to search for any keywords, barcodes, or to even find the lower prices on chicken breasts. To be honest, he says, I don't know how to promote my app, but that's okay. You're a Mac geek app listener. You wrote a cool app and you told us about it. That's what it takes. And we are happy to share. Like I, this is my favorite cool stuff found in a long time because we get to share your stuff. It's, it's the, the Mac geek app family here, just like doing our thing together. So, uh, this is very cool stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And it looks like uh, I'm clicking around in the uh, in the app store here. And it looks like Sylvain has a second app called Hours Cal for tracking 
time on, uh, on like projects and stuff. Oh yeah. I could see that being handy too. Amazing. Thank you for that. Sylvain. That's pretty cool. Huh? John Ugh, turbo Pascal. <clears throat> well, that's, I mean, I think we all kind of started, you know, I, th- those of us of a certain age, uh, of which Sylvain, you and me are in that range. <laughs> uh, like Pascal was, it was a huge step up from basic at the time, right? Mm. I didn't like Pascal because it didn't let you do certain things. It was a bit, bit overprotective, at least the Pascal that I used. No, that's fair. Yeah. I'm like, well, can you convert this type of number to that type of number? And it's like, nope. No. I'm like, no, come on. Convert from an integer to floating point. It's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Typing in Pascal was, was uh, or uh, variable typing in Pascal was yeah very. That was my nightmare. That, yeah. That's, I can see that. That's why I like C. Uh, the good news with C, everyone, is it lets you do whatever you want. Here's the bad news. It lets you do whatever you want. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And I fiddle with Swift. It's a nice modern language. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I took a day class in Swift a little while ago. And uh, I, 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 yeah, it's it's interesting to me what they've what they've done. It, it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, like you said, modern is is a good word for it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Jan or perhaps Jan, I don't know, sends this in to us uh, called the cool stuff found called Time Scroller. This is the best app I have found to let you know what time in the world it is when you want to know what time in the world it is. And yeah, it looks it's a it's called Time Scroller Time Zone Helper. Uh, it's available on the App Store and it I like the views of it look pretty good just being able to display things in different order and it looks like you get like different colors maybe to indicate times of day, red for the middle of the night green for during the day yeah it's interesting stuff yeah time scroller there you go i like it good yeah yeah i should get that i i it always challenges me when i'm flying and i'm not quite sure what time zone i'm going to be landing in because i like to set my watch ahead or back sure (laughs) yeah 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 i mean the phone syncs up automatically but um right but you could (laughs) you could go into the clock app on your phone and go into world clock and and set a time, you know, put in like wherever you're going and then it will tell you what the time is in that place. So oh, that's, okay. you know, that's Good that's one. one place to do it. Right. World clock. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, I, I find that handy. And then w- one thing I really like with the Apple Watch is some watch faces will let you put one of the things that you, you know, one of the time zones that you've set in world clock, you can put that as like a secondary time on your, uh, on your Apple watch, which has been handy when we've had right now, everybody's living at home. But like when my daughter goes back out to Italy, I'll put, you know, wherever she is in Italy on my watch. So I can just easily see what time it is for her and know, Oh yeah. Should I, should I pester her? Should I not, you know, whatever. Uh, all right. I got to check out a cool thing and I finally get to talk about the cool thing that I get to check out. And I did talk about it. We're talking about the new sub mini from Sonos. And I actually put up uh, on Thursday, I put up a quick little uh, video on 
YouTube on our Mac Ecub YouTube channel. So you can go, go to uh, MacEcub.com slash YouTube about my kind of initial thoughts about it. And I promised that I would share more here in the episode. Well, it turns out listener Bob uh, saw my review and had some questions specifically. He says, uh, when I had the, so this is a new subwoofer from Sonos. Uh, and it is something that quite frankly, most of us Sonos people have Sonos users have wanted for a very long time because the original sub and the sub now is a $749 uh, device. So that's, I mean, that's expensive and it's, it's big and it pushes out a, a lot of low end, like to the point where it gets kind of flappy sometimes. And like in our living room and we have a big living room, John, it's like our, our living room, I think is like 15 by 25. And, and the way we have it configured, the couch is at one uh, end of the rectangle and, and then the TV is almost at the complete other end. So we're like 20 feet from our TV. I know we should be closer to the TV to get better picture. And sometimes when we sit in front of the fireplace, which is in between the two, we are. Uh, and we'll start doing that now that it's a little chillier out and I get permission to light fires. I'd light fires all summer long, but uh, we, we have a, a 40 degree maximum uh, outdoor temperature for, uh, for fires to be permitted in the house. Unless I'm the only one home. Uh, but anyway, we're a long ways away and it's a big room, relatively speaking. And even with that, the original sub at $749, I have to set, it has a, a, a range of how much or how little you want it to blend in. And it sits at zero is the default and it can go negative 15 or positive 15. John, I think I was setting that old sub at like negative eight or something. Like it was just too much. And so now at 429 bucks, the new Sonos sub mini seems like maybe it's the right thing. They are targeting it at people with smaller rooms, like 10 by 10. And I've tried it in 10 by 10 rooms and it's awesome, but I've also tried it in my living room with my Sonos arc and my rear speakers. And it, I like it so much better than the, uh, than the original sub. It just like, it's a tighter rounder bass with more clarity in all of the sound. Uh, and it's just more balanced, like a lot more balanced. I, I don't, uh, well, let me read Bob's question because I, it feeds into some of this. He says, when I had the sub, the original sub gen three, I did not like the way it made my arc sound. The, the arc being the, the, uh, sort of flagship Sonos sound bar for uh, home theater. He says it seemed to make it more thin and brittle how is the sound signature of the arc with the mini? And I, like, I, I noticed this too. And it is like, like I said, it's just round full. I, I don't want to say that I don't notice the sub mini, but I, I forget about it because the sound is so, it, it just feels natural and it really does give a nice bump on the low end. Um, it, it, you know, it thumps when it needs to, but it's not flappy. And it, they did a they did a couple of cool things with this, John. Um, when I paired the thing, it you know, I it I, I brought up the Sonos app on my phone and it said, uh, bring this near the top of the speaker. It was like it used NFC in the phone to find this to to communicate with the speaker. It looked just like it does when you're going to like a Ticketmaster event or whatever. It was just that, you, you know. Here's a thing that has no barcode, but but it's doing a thing and it was doing NFC and I put it on top and it shared the pin to connect to my network, which of course is good. And all the Wi-Fi credentials wirelessly, boom, it was immediately on the network. 
And it was just like, great, what room do you want it in? And I said, living room. And it was like, okay, you're good to, good to go. I mean, it, it went through its like gyrations and said we should tune for the room and all that, which I let it do and do the, all the true play thing. Um, so that part made it super easy. Uh, it's it's a small cylinder, John. It almost like the, the size of a, a, a small, maybe a little smaller than like a small office trash can, like a lot smaller than that, actually. I think it's like 12 inches tall by nine inches around. But through the uh, through the side of the cylinder is a slot. And in that slot, uh, you can see the the two speakers are uh, kind of sitting in there. There's two six inch cones in there and they are aiming towards the middle of the slot so that it's. It's not they say it's not ported, that it is a sealed speaker, which is true, which is what gives it that tighter, rounder sound. But it does allow it to move air uh, because there's that slot there that the speakers are aiming towards. But because the speakers are aimed right at each other and tuned the right way, you don't get like things buzzing because they're near the subwoofer. It just moves the air, which is pretty cool. Um, and I, I like it's it's. It's a good, good sound. It's just a smoother response. Um, and I'm like I said, I'm I'm happy with it. And so I, I don't know what size room I would need to have to justify the larger Sonos sub. Um, certainly. And, the, and if you have one of those, you can actually do two in the same room, John, which is crazy. I, I, like, I don't know. I don't know what I would need. Maybe outside. But, I, you know, I don't know how many people are using these things outside. But um the sub mini 429 bucks. That's, that's the, uh, that's the sweet spot right there. It's a, it's a great thing. And I'm, I'm happy to be able to talk about it again. So fun stuff. Thank you for the question, Bob. Um, I want to start a new segment, John, Are you okay with that? I know, I know we're right at the end of the show, but, uh, I think this is the appropriate spot for this segment. And folks, I think when you hear this, you'll, you'll agree with me. We have cool stuff found. And this certain this next thing certainly is this actually comes from Lucas, my son, who helped us with all the the um, value for value podcasting 2.0 stuff, the, the boostograms and all that. Uh, he found this thing called the magic pencil, John, uh, and it's the Vispec magic pencil. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. I'm calling this segment my favorite vaporware. This is a thing that uses the light. Some sort of light sensor, so we would call it a camera, but but maybe it sees more. And I'm going by their terms, not ours. They call it a handhold. I think they mean handheld spectrometer, and uh, it's an all-in-one smart laboratory. It looks like a a, a thick pen or pencil, and it, they say it's a miniature spectroscope scanner that replaces a fitness band, water detectors, food soil detectors, and it helps you to live a better life in every scenario. How fresh is this milk? It asks and answers. Has this wine aged sufficiently? Is the steak good enough quality? Uh, and it pairs with your phone. I, I, like, I, I don't know how much for like, it'll they they have a video on the website. I highly recommend you go here again. We're linked from the show notes at MacKeekab.com. But it says that it will show you like how much caffeine is in the coffee. I think is what it's showing. It's It's moving very quickly. Yeah. 42 milligrams for hundred milliliters or something. I don't know. Like it. Uh, yeah. Like how could it possibly know this 
just by shining a light at it, John. It seems like BS to me. Um, well, looking at the block diagram, I think the secret is in the NT-1000 Spectrum chip. <laughs> well, or their Magic Pencil cloud database. <clears throat> okay. I, I can't see how using just light would let you glean all this information. Now, if you had, uh, you've probably heard of this, and I had a friend that actually had one of these um, that his company was tossing. Um, a mass spectrometer, I think, could tell you this, but you're not going to get a mass spectrometer of this size. <laughs> no, it's it's a micro spectrometer, John. That's what they're selling us. Yeah. 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 I Now, the one thing, I mean, this seems like Star Trek to me. So I, I'm just going to, I'm going to reiterate that I, I don't think this thing will work. I have signed up. They say they're coming to Kickstarter real soon now. And uh, they also say that they have a an email list, which, of course, I signed up for. And they have a private Facebook group of which there are about 200 of, of us. And I they I, I applied to join it and they actually let me in. I think most of the people in there are of the same mindset I am. But that's OK. But the one part of this where I, I stop and say, OK, maybe is that it's got this, you know, thing that can detect wavelengths of light between 200 nanometers and 1700 nanometers. So it, that's that NT 1000 chip, of course, uh, which fine. And then the huge database. So maybe the whole idea of machine learning, like if they've tested, you know, 500 cups of coffee, uh, right. And pulled the data from it and then, you know, like tested it with, with a, with a, with a real thing that could actually tell you how much caffeine is in it or whatever, but then also tested those same cups with the uh, magic pencil and somehow are doing the pattern matching of, okay, when it looks like this, it means that if they can get nuanced enough with this NT 1000, maybe like you know the whole we had that conversation about about um machine learning which is just pattern matching in databases so like maybe like it's got a link with your phone and it talks to the cloud and says oh it's these special colors and this pattern of of light so therefore what is it i don't know feels like not hot dog to me I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Um, it'd be great to see how much they want for it. Sounds pretty amazing. It sounds pretty amazing. Maybe we'll find them. We're going to Pepcom later this month, John. Maybe, uh, mm -hmm. maybe they'll be there. I, who knows? Who knows? I can't wait to see it. So if you've come across something that, uh, that you think is vaporware, let us know about it. Because it is fun to kind of dissect into these things and have a little fun, yes. Maybe at their expense. But who knows? I mean, they could, you know, I'm willing to eat a, uh, a meal of crow. The nice part is, uh, if if this thing does work and I have to eat that meal of crow, I can I can put it on and see if the crow is cooked well enough because mm -hmm. the, the, the magic pencil will tell me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sorry. I can't help but be snarky when people make it that easy. Uh, John, many times over the years, we have said a phrase on this show to 
share our exuberance with something. And the person who brought that phrase into our lives by adopting it as his moniker, artist Leon Ivy Jr. has passed away. It's true. Coolio is no longer with us. And we're sad mm. to hear of his loss. We will still keep saying Coolio when we come across things that we like. And we will think kindly and fondly of artist Leon Ivy Jr. and his nom de plume, nom de song. I don't know. I don't know what we would call that. Pseudonym. All right. What else do we have? Anything, John? Are we good to go? Mm-hmm. All right. Make sure to check out Pilot Pete's podcast. So there I was. I don't think I, I think he had to skip today because he was doing some kind of victory lap for uh, making it into the iTunes top 10. So that's pretty good. Uh, thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get this show. And so there I was from us to you. Thanks to all our sponsors, of course. As we mentioned in the show, collide.com slash MGG, ZocDoc.com slash MGG, and HelixSleep.com slash MGG. Check out MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors for a lot of deals. I really should link that from MacGeekUp.com slash deals, John. John, what else is it that that we'd like to say? What do we like to say? Um... I think what we like to say is some very good piece of advice for all aspects of your life and your computer's life, and that's don't get caught. Made up.